circle, yes, we rotate 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 306, 306, 360 degrees, high, high, All right, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Yuchin, occupied Ohlone Territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. And this week on Full Circle, we will speak with independent filmmaker Brian Gibble about his documentary film, Sign My Name to Freedom, a film that rediscovers a past part of the life of Betty Reed Soskin, who many know as the oldest park ranger here in Richmond, California, but who also had a secret side of her life as a musician and a poet. We wear the smiles born of sharing this day. An aging, mature Betty is now hearing young Betty singing rather amazing poetry that is so far beyond what I thought I had produced in those years. She was brought out of hiding by the making of this film. We'll hear that interview and an extended clip from the film, Sign My Name to Freedom. All that tonight on Full Circle as well as some community announcements and updates. I am your host tonight, Freewell and Franklin, coming to you from downtown Antioch. This is Babe Miwok Territory. Keep it locked to KPFA. Yes, again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. My name is Freewell and Franklin, and I will be your host tonight. And as I said in the opening of the show tonight, we will be featuring sounds from the film Sign My Name to Freedom and an extended interview with filmmaker Brian Gibble. The film, Sign My Name to Freedom, features parts of the life of Betty Reed Soskin, and many of us out here in the Bay Area and around the country and even the world, uh, Betty Reed Soskin is known as the oldest park ranger at the Rosie the Riveter Park in Richmond. Sign My Name to Freedom features parts of Betty's life that many of us don't know including the fact that Betty and her husband were the first African-Americans to move into Walnut Creek, at the time integrating the all-white suburb of San Francisco. Reading from the website now, Betty's son survived being stoned by white children and her family endured daily bigotry that left permanent scars. Sign My Name to Freedom follows Betty's journey from the first time she listened to her old tapes through her collaborations with younger musicians, and the film culminates with her singing one of her songs to a crowd of thousands backed by a full symphony, orchestra, and chorus. But this happens only after confronting deep personal traumas that had kept her 
from her music for so long. And that was from the website Sign My Name Sign My Name to Freedom. I'm gonna kick off the show tonight with a clip provided to me by the filmmaker Brian Gibble. Then we'll be back to speak with Brian about the making of this film, Sign My Name to Freedom, and how you can support that process. We'll be right back here on Full Circle. Check out this clip. We go through life knowing that we could die at any point, especially now that I'm 95. Time now is finite. And having my younger self emerge in these years catches me sort of off balance. I'm being asked to retrace my steps. I've lived many lives. I've been many women over time. Part of my identity is still mother. Another part of my life, I was that black merchant down on Sacramento Street. I was a political activist. And that was all before I became a park ranger at the age of 85. I want tips from Betty on how I can look that good at 94. But beyond the uniform, beyond the public self, there is that Betty who's left behind. Betty the artist, Betty the musician. I packed secret Betty up in boxes in reel-to-reel -reel tapes. No one in my life knew that I had been a singer or that I had written music. The song I wrote most recently, after watching the television coverage, of the raids on the Panther headquarters in Chicago and in Los Angeles. Little boy black, little boy black, city streets calling my little boy back. I talk about you know, suffering a mental break, but I don't give anybody the reasons why. But the music saved me, it really did. Lonely boy, little boy, We were the first family of color in Walnut Creek. It was a tumultuous period. I spent the next five, ten years in kind of awfulness of rejection, becoming the object of ridicule and hostility. And I became suicidal. And it was after that that I began to remember music. And I finally realized that I was not remembering songs at all, but that these were songs that were coming from me. They were all autobiographical. I was documenting all of those events that we were experiencing as a country and that I was experiencing in isolation. But they ring as true for me now as they did when I wrote them. The simple sign of love. That was something I wrote for the church. We span the miles. We wear the smiles born of sharing this day. An aging, mature Betty is now hearing young Betty singing rather amazing poetry that is so far beyond what I thought 
I had produced in those years. She was brought out of hiding by the making of this film. I feel like I want to be whole and I want my artist self to join with my activist self because they're all the same person. Maybe this releasing of the music to the public is a way of making myself whole. And maybe I need to do that before I die. All right, welcome back. You're listening to Full Circle on KPFA Radio 94.1 FM. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network. I am your host tonight, Free Will and Franklin, and you just heard a clip of the documentary film Sign My Name to Freedom. The film follows the journey of Betty Reed Soskin, many know as the oldest park ranger, as she rediscovers music that she created as she coped with depression and isolation. The depression and isolation was brought on by moving into a previously segregated neighborhood in Walnut Creek, California. Coming up next, we'll speak with the filmmaker behind the film, Sign My Name to Freedom, Oakland-based Brian Gibble. All right, good evening, everyone. This is Free Will and Franklin coming to you for Full Circle and in this part of the show, I'm going to be joined by Brian Gibble. He's an independent filmmaker and a cinematographer. He's based out of Oakland, California, and is currently working on the film Sign My Name to Freedom. And it's based on parts of the life of Betty Reed Soskin. And many of you may remember that name because... She's the oldest park ranger out here in California, maybe the United States. Uh, Brian can clear that up for us. Um, and uh, Brian's working on this film, Sign My Name to Freedom, that explores a whole different part of Betty's life. And that's what we're going to learn about tonight. Thanks for joining us tonight on In Full Circle, Brian. Thank you for having me, Franklin. It's a pleasure to be here. And so, yeah, talk, let's talk about your film. So we just heard that amazing clip um, to get an idea of what we're talking about tonight. But Betty's life, as most people know it, is the oldest living park ranger and uh, the work that she's done at the Rosie the Riveters area and being out of Richmond, she's real famous around here. But there's a whole nother life to Betty, and your film is going to cover that. So um, I guess first off, I just ask you to tell us um, a little bit about yourself and how you met Betty and got started on this film, and then we'll get more into what the film's about. Sure, that sounds great. Um, I'm from New Mexico originally, born and raised in Albuquerque, and I worked as a bilingual reporter there as an investigative reporter for several years before moving to the Bay Area to go to graduate school in journalism at UC Berkeley. And I eventually ended up moving over to do documentary film work from investigative reporting um, because I found that editors at times would, you know, change dramatically the stories that I was reporting. And uh, with film, I was able to capture images where you can't do that the same way. And also, as soon as I picked up a camera and started shooting, I had never really done that before going to UC Berkeley. I just fell in love with visual storytelling. And 
telling stories through images and allowing people to speak for themselves uh, by by filming with them. And so um, that's why I moved out to the Bay Area. And that was, I finished at UC Berkeley in 2012 and have since been working as a, an independent cinematographer for nonfiction content and also for some commercial work and also directing and producing and often shooting and sometimes editing my own projects on the side of that work. Um, and I've been working on this film about Betty since about 2016, actually. It's been a, a, a long process that's been developing and unfolding over time. And it's just been an amazing privilege to get to meet her and her family and to get to work with them and to develop really close relationships with them uh, in the process. All right, and tell us about you know, the life of Betty Reed Soskin as most people know her and um, her park ranger life. Absolutely. So Betty became a park ranger at the age of 85. She is 101 now. She'll be 102 on September 22nd. So just right around the corner. So at 85, uh, she became a park ranger. And up until that point, nobody knew anything about her. She was just a, a normal person living in, in Richmond, um, she was an activist and she'd owned a record store and operated a record store, one of the first black owned record stores um, in California, actually in Berkeley. Uh, but she became a phenomenon after she became a park ranger because one, it's very curious to have somebody become, uh, start a new job, let's say at, at that age, you know, at 85 years old. And then also Betty is just an amazing poet and she's a, a really important living link to history. So the way that Betty's able to speak and, and articulate herself is really powerful. It's some, a skill that she's always had from what I can tell. And, and she's just able to mesmerize people with uh, her prose. And also, you know, even more importantly, Betty has lived a really remarkable and important life, often on the margins of history. So in a way where people wouldn't know her name, but she's been a first person observer and oftentimes an active participant in really important parts of American and Bay Area history. Let me interrupt you there and uh, tell us about some of those other um, things that she's done in her life. What are you discovering? Sure, sure. So she became famous for speaking out about the history of segregation during the World War II home front here in Richmond. Betty, uh, like many people in the early 1940s, signed up to help with the World War II home front effort to build ships and build airplanes and, and support the troops during you know, World War II. And what happened to Betty was actually not very well known in our, our country or our region's history. Betty wasn't able to work as a famous Rosie the Riveter working on the ships because the unions that controlled all that work were segregated. And Betty is a mixed race black woman from New Orleans originally. Her family are Creoles from New Orleans. And so she was forced to work as like basically a clerical assistant during the war, punching time cards and doing fairly menial work because of her race, because she's African-American. And that story has largely been left out of the way that we remember World War II during the home front and the way that people tell the story of, of Rosie the Riveter, the famous icon for women entering the workforce and working on the ships. Uh, during the home front effort. And so Betty helped bring that story of segregation during the home front effort um, to light through her work at the park. And she spoke very famously about her personal experiences confronting the segregated unions and became a real icon in our country, you know, in, in Richmond and the whole country for shedding light on that history. 
But Betty lived a whole long and complex life before she was 85 and after the period of time that she talked about through the park, you know, during World War II. Those intervening intermediary years are actually really fascinating. And Betty, up until recently, has been fairly private about that time period. Um, so what I found in getting to know her and, and making the film that I'm working on about her and her family is that uh, they were the first black family to move into Walnut Creek in 1953 when Walnut Creek was completely segregated and African-American families were not allowed to move in. When I tell this to people, people oftentimes joke and say, well, Walnut Creek still feels segregated and it's not very diverse. Um, and that may or may not be, but there's a reason, a reason for that. And the reason is that it was actually Jim Crow segregated up until at least the early 50s. And so Betty and her family made some some money by opening the record store that I mentioned. It's called Reed's Records and was on Sacramento Street until just a few years ago when it closed. Uh, and with that new income that they were able to make through that business, they wanted to move to the suburbs and build a house and uh, weren't able to do so in Walnut Creek where they wanted to. But Betty's husband at the time, Mel, who uh, amazingly was actually a professional athlete, but in the Negro Leagues for baseball and a segregated football league because those sports hadn't been integrated yet either. He had a friend on his baseball team who was married to a white woman who bought a property for them in Walnut Creek. Uh, she could do so because she was white. And then she turned it over to the Reed family, Betty and her husband, wow. so they could build their home there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. It's really fascinating history. And um they decided to start building their dream home out in Walnut Creek. And when the neighbors found out that the lumber pile that was you know, being assembled on that property was gonna be used to build a home where a black family would move into, they started receiving death threats and threats uh, that people were saying they were gonna burn down the house before it was finished. And I mean, absolute bigotry and hatred and um, the, the neighborhood did not want a black family moving in and they were ready to to fight against that using tactics that to me at least sound reminiscent of things that the KKK would do, you know, really terrifying uh, acts of, of racial hatred and hate crimes. And eventually the, the Reed family just pushed forward and some of those threats turned out to be empty threats and nobody burned down their home while it was built and they built it. Um, but they faced uh, really intense social rejection and isolation as a result of moving out there because they weren't wanted and people made that clear. And there were acts of, of violence that happened against Betty's kids in particular. Um, and, you know, they were just little kids starting to go to school and they were as the, like, for instance, Betty's oldest son who was adopted is the only black kid at that school was bullied to say the least. Uh, he was attacked at different times and had a really, really horrible, very traumatic experience. Um, wow. This is a lot of stuff that um, people don't know about um, Betty Soskin, um, Betty Reed Soskin, the oldest living and working um, park ranger. And um, let me real quick remind people that we're um, speaking with uh, Brian Gibble. He's an independent filmmaker and cinematographer He's based um, right out of Oakland, California, and he's currently working on this film we're talking about, Sign My Name to Freedom, and it's based on parts, as we were talking about, of the life of Betty Reed Soskin, 
um, as we were mentioning, famously known for being the oldest park ranger, um, but has a dramatic um, backstory, to call it um, the least. Well, thanks for sharing about um, her origins in Walnut Creek. And as we heard in the opening clip to your film, she was also a poet, an activist, a songwriter, and she had um, a whole nother life. And you had a great line earlier before we started recording that she had some secret. Betty, can you tell us that that line that she told you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just want to mention that Betty actually recently retired. I think it was last year. All right. She retired. So she's the oldest living uh, park ranger, but not currently in in active duty, I guess. On the job. All right. On the job. Yeah. So that's just recent. I just wanted to clarify. So All people right. won't expect to see her at the park if they were to show up at the Rosie the River <laughs> Park in Richmond. All right. That was just very recently, though. Um, so so as a result, I guess I'll, I'll tell you guys now the story of, of Betty and her music, which is really fascinating and grows directly out of Walnut Creek. Um, so based on the isolation, the bigotry and the hatred that Betty and her family were facing um, in Walnut Creek, Betty started to have uh, a mental breakdown and eventually became suicidal because she had a major identity crisis. And in the process of trying to come back from the depths of that dark place, she went to a psychiatrist and she started telling him that she had been remembering songs and she didn't know where they were from, but she was remembering these songs that she'd heard before. And she would first read the words to him and eventually sang the tunes to the, uh, of the songs to him. And they both realized over time, and he helped her to realize that these weren't actually songs that Betty was remembering. These were songs that she was writing and they were coming out of a deep place in her subconscious in response to the things that she was experiencing out there in Walnut Creek. And she found the act of writing music to be really cathartic and empowering. And so she started actively writing songs and her songs are all autobiographical. They're all about what she and her family were going through from the early fifties, I would say all the way through the civil rights movement and then through into the black power movement uh, and Betty stopped writing her songs and performing probably in the early 70s. And and the thing is, is that, you know, Betty was a little housewife tucked away in Walnut Creek at that time. And so she eventually started playing these songs at political rallies and uh, at a Unitarian church that she'd become a member of and in a lot of different areas. And it it was a secret life. It wasn't something she shared with her husband, Mel, who was still working and running the record story. It wasn't something she really shared with her kids, at least for, for many years. And she said there was a Betty and is a Betty still that's hidden behind her eyes. And when she said that, that really, really struck me. And it's a, a, a secret Betty, a Betty that's a musician and that's an artist. And it's somebody that she ended up leaving behind and hiding away for almost 50 years, you know, since the early 70s. Wow. So she, she was actively writing songs and, and, and making this amazing music and people were responding powerfully and she was being courted to become a recording artist um, and had an opportunity to, I guess, um, audition some of her songs to somebody on the East Coast who was a big like studio person. 
And she flew out there to do that. And the day before she was to audition for him, she caught a flight home and never showed up. And she says it's because she was afraid of succeeding, not of failing, because her kids were still dealing with the traumas of moving into and integrating Walnut Creek and facing hatred and bigotry out there. And those are scars that run deep, especially when you're young um, at any age, but especially as a child. And Betty has a special needs daughter that really needed her support, she felt, and she was afraid she would succeed as a recording artist and be pulled away from her family. Uh, and she didn't think that would be the right decision to make. So she left that behind and she made a dramatic choice, got on a plane, never showed up for the audition. And it's something that's really complex as to understand why. But I think because she left that all behind, she decided to bury it all the way. It, I suspect it would have been very painful to still sort of dabble in that life and that amazing passion and that beautiful art that she was creating knowing that she couldn't really pursue it. So she took all of these old reel-to-reel -reel tapes that she'd recorded of either bedroom recording sessions or live performances, and uh, she put them in a plastic bin and buried it in the back of her closet. And she kept it for 50 years, even, even after she, she got rid of her reel-to-reel -reel player. So she had no way to play the tapes. And she moved apartments multiple times, but she, and she thought about getting rid of those tapes and throwing them out, but she never did. I was going to interrupt you here, but this is kind of what you're getting to in the film is that she rediscovers these songs and takes a listen. So um, mm -hmm. tell us about that experience um, when you got to, because um, you basically experienced it with her while filming um, her listen to her songs. So tell us about what you saw Betty experience. As I heard in the clip, 95 year old Betty um, listening to um, 20 year old Betty and She's getting emotional. So talk about, you know, what you saw and the experiences that you're noticing with Betty, why she experiences again for the first time in maybe 50 years, her own words and music. Absolutely. One of the amazing things about this film is that because Betty handed this music to me and didn't even have a way, have a way to play it, uh, I was I've been there with my cameras and my team of people from the very beginning, even as she's rediscovering her music in a way for the first time. And that's a really rare thing to have in a documentary. Oftentimes films are looking back and somebody's telling the story of something they did way back when and you have an interview. But this film, based on the way that it's developed, I've been able to be there in real time as she's having these amazing experiences and revelations. And so I was able to track down an old reel-to-reel -reel player on Craigslist that I cleaned up and repaired I had to learn how to do that because I didn't know anything about how the technology worked. And we were able to raise a little bit of funding and get the, the tapes backed up and digitized because some old tapes can be so fragile that you play them once and the material, the magnetic material on the tape can literally fall off when it gets spooled back up on the other side and you can hear it and then it's gone. You never get to hear it again, right? This was my great fear. So we got them digitized and they survived that process. And then I brought over the reel to reel player to Betty's place and she familiarized herself with how to use it again and started listening to these tapes. And some of them were like random recordings of the radio with nothing from 40, 50 years ago. And some of them had songs on there that she'd forgotten she'd even written. And as soon as she heard them, 
you could see the emotion well up in her eyes. There was a particular song that she had totally forgotten that she'd done. And as she's singing it, she tells, she exclaims, and we're filming this, that this is a song that she'd written for the church and it was a hymn and she'd forgotten all about it. And then she just starts singing along and she remembers word for word the song, even though it's been decades since she's written it and, and literally forgot that she'd ever even created it. And the emotional experience that that was for Betty was so powerful. Um, Cause she looked back for, for, I guess most of her life at her music is sort of like this amateur dilettante thing that she did for a while that didn't have much value or meaning. And then when she heard it again, five decades later, she could really hear the value and was able to realize that she was an incredibly talented songwriter and a very innovative singer in terms of her delivery and the way that she was dealing with not only melodies, but the themes that she was writing her lyrics about. And so it was a really powerful thing for her. And she decided that she wanted to see if she could give this these music life again, because she was thrilled to hear it. And also, I think somewhat disappointed at having abandoned it so long ago. And so she decided she wanted to see in her 90s, if she could bring this music back and give it a second chance at having a life. And, and Betty then started partnering with local musicians uh, in San Francisco and in the East Bay to look at her songs and she would go and meet with them and talk to them about the music that she had written and play the songs for them and they would discuss. And a number of different musicians started interpreting those songs and doing renditions, collaborating with Betty of the music so that these songs could carry over to another generation. And, and what's so remarkable is many of the songs that Betty wrote and the social issues that they were addressing have not been resolved. And so they're as relevant today as they were when she wrote them five decades ago. And they talk about things that our society is still confronting, like deep divisions in, in housing, right? And, and racism and lack of access to housing for people based on race and the experiences of a black woman facing hostility that might not always be clear cut and obvious, but is for her experience of the world. And what happened to her kids as a result of bigotry, all of these things are things that are still playing themselves out in our society every day, because we've never processed and confronted those issues fully as a society. And Betty's music is one way of trying to do that. It was how she did it at the time. And it resonates with other people, I think, in an equally powerful way as a result. And so the process of seeing Betty explore her songs with other artists was an incredible one. It was a, it was a journey over quite a few years. She developed very close friendships and really powerful relationships with um, younger musicians and singers, people of color here in the Bay Area, and was insistent that she would never sing again because she could never compete with younger Betty. And she say that, you know, old, older Betty wouldn't hold a candle to the beauty that, that younger Betty was producing then. Um, so eventually through, I think, encouragement from some of the artists that she was working with, she, she did decide that she would take a crack at singing again. And, and she did that with the Oakland Symphony and sang one of her songs to a crowd of thousands of people at the Paramount Theater uh, in 2018. And it was an amazing experience. She had everybody hold hands and stand up before she sang. And it was just like church. And there were people there, most people didn't know each other. And it was like, she asked people to hold hands and rise and it was in unison, just like, they, you know, it was a, a, 
uh, a pastor at his church, the response was incredible and people were crying. She told the story of the song that she wrote and what it was about and then sang it uh, with a 200 person choir backing her up in a full symphony. Wow. And it was just an amazing, amazing experience. And it was a privilege and an honor to be able to capture that. And all that appears in, in the film, Sign My Name to Freedom, that I'm working on now. All right. Wow, that was an amazing story just hearing you tell it. And uh, remind our listeners, uh, that is the voice of Brian Gibble, the independent filmmaker and cinematographer based out of Oakland and is currently working on the film. We are discussing Sign My Name to Freedom, and it's based on, I always say it this way now, parts of the life of Betty Reed Soskin because um, she's re-examining um, parts of her life that she left behind. Well, this is an amazing story, Brian, and I understand you're still working on the film and you're looking for support. And um, tell us about how people can follow your work on this film, maybe other work that you've done and where they could help support you in the creation and the completion of Sign My Name to Freedom. Absolutely. So um, we're still working on the film. We've shot most of the content for the, for the movie, most of the documentary content that follows Betty's life that I just described, and it follows her exploring her music uh, with other musicians here in the Bay Area. And we've made some good progress into editing, but we filmed for years with Betty, you know, and it was like over a hundred days of shooting with her to be able to capture these authentic, powerful, real moments as they happened. And we built an amazing team of people too. We, we recently started working with a, an Emmy award-winning editor. His name is Kevin Jones. He's based in Richmond, not too far away from the Rosie the Riveter Park where Betty worked. And he's edited over a dozen feature-length documentary films. He's a, a wonderful person. And so we're making a lot of progress, but we're still raising funds to be able to complete the editing. And people can find more about the movie. There, there's a couple different ways they can. The best way is probably to visit the film's website, which is just sign my name to freedom.com. And if you go to that website, you'll see a way just at the towards the top of the page where you can sign up for our email list. And doing that uh, will allow you to receive updates on on progress for the film. We'll send out as we have new new trailers or cuts or little samples, we'll send them out and notify people through through that, through signmynametofreedom.com and the email list. And we're also on Instagram where we leave, uh, where we give updates and connect people with, with things that are happening with the movie. And that's instagram.com slash signmynametofreedom, all one word. Um, and then we'll be launching a crowdfunding campaign either in late September or early October. And we're asking people to help support the project. And the best way to get updates on when that campaign will be launching is the same same ways that I just mentioned. Ideally, by signing up for our email list on signmyamtofreedom.com or following us on, on social media, particularly on Instagram. All right. And of course, like always, we will post a link to all Brian's social media and his website on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight. Brian, um, a big thank you for sharing this story and um, quite an amazing story just from that opening clip that we heard. I'm very excited for you. And I hope people visit your page and check it out. And uh, thanks for being with us tonight on Full Circle. Thank you so much, Franklin. I really appreciate being here. All right. Again, welcome to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network. You just heard my interview with filmmaker Brian Gibble speaking about his film, Sign My Name to Freedom, documenting Betty Reed Soskin as she rediscovers music she created herself. 
nearly 70 years ago. Again, you could be part of helping that film to completion. Check out Brian's website, signmynametofreedom.com, and follow his social media you just heard. All that will be posted on our website later tonight after the show, and that is kpfaapprentice.org. Big shout out to Brian, and thank you for sitting down and taking the time to do that interview. Coming up next, we're going to be giving a shout out to some community announcements and things that will be happening in your area. We'll kick it off with this announcement from Joy Moore, First Voice graduate, and I'll be right back to make some more updates and announcements. Hello, this is Joy Moore, graduate apprentice of the First Voice Media Project. I want to announce an exciting upcoming event at Pie Ranch on Highway 1 in Pescadero. It's a joy jam at Pie Ranch. Joy Jam is a celebration of solidarity for the future of food. Saturday, September 23rd, 3 to 8 p.m. Pie Ranch and Food Culture Collective are joining together to bring you Joy Jam, a celebration of solidarity for the future of food. Joy Jam is an effervescent and soulful opportunity to cultivate community and strengthen connections while sharing food, story, and love of place. The festival encompasses an abundance of cultural expressions, including live storytelling, local artist activations, pop-up food and culinary experiences, immersive installations for collective visioning, poetry, and other creative projects live music, walking the land while hearing stories of soils, seeds, crops, and animals, dancing, and of course, some pie while enjoying life. That's Saturday, September 23rd, 3 to 8 p.m. For more information, go to www.pieranch.org slash joy dash jam or call 650 650- Two six two one two two zero. Again, that's www.pyranch.org slash joy dash jam or call 650-262-1220. Hope to see you all there. This has been Joy Moore for Full Circle. All right. Thank you very much. First voice graduate Joy Moore. And I want to take a few more moments to make some community announcements. First off, if you are near the Richmond area, family, community, city officials and Richmond police are coming together to honor the memory of Richard P.D. Perez III. Uh, the family writes on their website or their Facebook, I mean, um, On this poignant occasion, marking the ninth anniversary of the loss of our son, Richard P. Perez III, affectionately known as Petey, in a tragic police-involved shooting, we invite community members, city officials, and all who wish to honor a life cut short to support our advocacy for police accountability and reduced deadly encounters. The memorial service is being held at 3322 Cutting Boulevard in Richmond, a.k.a. Uncle Sam's Liquors. That will be Saturday, September 16th, 
starting at 6 p.m. In addition to honoring Petey's life, this memorial will will serve as a rallying cry for continuous reforms and a space for communal healing and reconciliation. Again, we will post details of PD's memorial on our website tonight after the show, kpfaapprentice.org. Shout out to the Perez family who's always involved in Bay Area uh, police accountability politics. Big thank you to them. Also, some other reminders. First off, be sure to check out the First Voice Media Facebook page and get a look at a lot of the videos and stories we've been posting that do not make the air or do not make the air in their entirety. Or obviously, they are video and that uh, can't be shown on the radio. So again, check out First Voice Media on Facebook. We have been following the Antioch Police text message scandal and have been live streaming many protests and other stories related to Antioch police and their ongoing investigation. We just live streamed the Vallejo press conference with the family of Sean Monterosa, which was really touching and moving. You could check that out on our Facebook page, First Voice Media. While you're there, make sure you like our page and follow our work. We will also be live streaming the PD Perez Memorial, so be sure to check that out tomorrow at 6 p.m. on the First Voice Media Facebook page. Also, if you're a KPFA member, that means if you donate to support this station, we have an ongoing election, so this is a brief reminder to look out for your e-ballot in the form of an email with your link to your e-ballot from invitations at mail.com electionbuddy.com or an SMS text message. Reminders are sent every Tuesday. If you have not received your ballot and you feel you are a voting member, you can request a ballot on elections.pacifica.org. And if you don't have access to a computer, you can leave a voicemail at 1-213-635-9363. That's 1-213-635-9363. Please cast your vote before September 30th at midnight Eastern time. And uh, we need your vote to get uh, to reach our threshold to consider the election valid. So if you are a member, um, please vote in the KPFA elections. And a big shout out to the Quinto Collins family. That's the family of Angelo Quinto, who was killed by Antioch police here in Antioch in December of 2020. As their fight for justice continues, they, the Quinto Collins family, continued to fight for all of us. And one of the bills they are working on, Assembly Bill 360, which will ban the use of excited delirium as a cause of death on any death certificate here in California. And as many of our listeners know, excited delirium is a junk science term not recognized by the American Medical Association, the American Psychiatric Association, or any other medical organization. Um, It's often used in deaths related to uh, police brutality and in-custody deaths. The bill has passed through the various steps of the legislature and is now off to the governor's desk. So we will keep an eye um, the coming few days to see if the governor signs this bill. The family tells me they're feeling hopeful about this and they feel like the governor's signature is coming. 
but at the same time there are they are also knowledgeable about the political system and the way it works so they're waiting like the rest of us um, for that signature so keep an eye out and we'll make an announcement here and on our facebook page first voice media so that does it for our community announcements I'm going to just play some music uh, to the end of the show tonight for the last, you know, 15, 10 or 15 minutes we got left. And I'll check you on the backside of that. We're going to kick it off with the track People off the Justice for Angelo Quinto, Justice for All EP. This is by G. Yamazawa and Power Struggle. People, we see you from down south to the bay, from New York to LA, from Mama to the grave. For my people, we need you from down south to the bay, from New York to LA, from Mama to the grave. Angelo Quinto, 30 years old, a Navy veteran, kind, intelligent, whole life ahead of him, a victim of violence inflicted by cops. System demands that you're silent and watch another brother get shot or knee to the neck. Serve and protect sounds more like a threat by the boys in blue. So we sing these blues, build and move to abolish this crude and corrupt. They keep killing our folks. This is for the families of the victims they broke. This is for the people they gun and choke. I can't breathe, last words they spoke. For my people, we see you from down south to the bay. People, we need you from down south to the bay, from New York to LA, from Mama to the grave. From Mama to the grave, we blossom through pain like flower and vase, like sparkling daylight. Stars splitting through the dark, the drama of a life. Most of us just trying to work through the stage fright. Yeah, how many lives they gonna take? Like, write it off as mistake, like, get your take rights. Why, when we talking race, it's something we don't take. Like, all 50 states dealing with similar case. Like, get your pace right. They ain't your face, like, yeah. We gon' make it real clear, we ain't going nowhere, yeah, we all still heroes. For my people, we see you from down south to the bay, from New York to LA, from Mama to the grave. For my people, we need you from down south to the bay, from New York to LA, from Mama to the grave.
separate from society. Some days it's hard to get a hug. Inspiration's what it takes, and I gotta know. Building faith in community. from all over the world, not just the hole in the fence in San Diego. San Diego. Jobs on consignment for a low wage, no way. One can work away the whole day with no pay. But what you see and what they don't say is two different things. Picture getting chased by high beams, screaming for your ID, sweating to the oldies. The master's right behind me. Smash the borders, abajo con la migra, tenemos. Olvídate, mano, de ser como todos, let it shine. Smash the borders, abajo con la migra, tenemos. Olvídate, mano, de ser como todos, let it shine. Now in the morning I make coffee with some cinnamon Drive by like 50 cent, I'm seeing many men But they ain't wishing for death and destruction They're the guys who break backs doing construction The ditch diggers, asphalt pavers, minute men itch triggers And higher landscapers looking just like a kid who asked me for work Waving down my hoopty cause I wear a nice shirt Clean shoes, iron dickies and gel on my head all I got is my lunch, but I'm willing to share. No sé qué decirle, manito, que tenga buen día. Que Dios les bendiga a todos sus familias. Smash the borders, abajo con la migra, tenemos. Olvídate, mano, de ser como todos, let it shine. 
smash the borders. Abajo con la migra tenemos. Olvídate, mano, de ser como todos. Let it shine. I stepped out the sweat, eyes are feeling brand new. This is where I learned best going to school. I give back to my roots as I step on stage. I wake up and give thanks and burn the fat ass stage. I reminisce about my folks as I glance down these corners. I see about 50 men wanting me to pull over. Thinking about riding in my whip, but right about now, this role model. Looking at these dolphins sprung on that Yola. You call it getting money, I call it slave owners. I'm from a place where the dropout waits. One phone call, I have all my homies congregate. And I interpret laws to the ghetto. I speak for this goes out to the Hornaleros. And you ain't gotta read the order, word of us. We know what it is. Matter of fact, put your guns up. That's what they wanna see. Now we bout to stand up and f being a soldier. We the mother. Warriors, that's what they wanna see. Now we bout to stand up and being a soldier. We the mother warriors. Smash the borders, abajo con la migra tenemos. Olvídate, mano, de ser como todos. Let it shine. Smash the borders, abajo con la migra tenemos. Olvídate, mano, de ser como todos. Let it shine. You're listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA. And that was Brown Buffalo with Corazon. Before that, we heard from the Bay Area's own Aisha Fukushima with her song Breathe. And we kicked off our music set with a tribute to Angelo Quinto to honor that we're hoping for Governor Newsom to sign AB 360 banning uh, Excited Delirium. All right, that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Remember to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, after the show tonight for pictures, archive shows, and important links and information related to tonight's show, including uh, those community announcements and the KPFA elections. Shout out to the Full Circle crew, Miss M, the executive director, and me, Freewill and Franklin. I have been your host tonight, and I'm also the technical director for this show, Full Circle. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, while you're out there, to please protect your health and also your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone.